everyone. So we're going to um, read from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. If you want to get there, if you brought a Bible with you. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Thanks, Chelsea. Good morning, everybody. Let's, uh, let's give um, some praise to Jesus and say thank you to Chelsea for reading the word for us this morning. Um, yeah, as we get going, just a, just a note as we get into God's word. If you're an elder or deacon at our church, um, we are going to meet right here, right after service. So we just have a couple things to keep current about. We need to talk to you guys about a couple things. So if that's you... Um, please meet here right after service. And also, um, if, that's, if, if there's an elder deacon that's not here um, and they're out there, somebody go spread the word that way. So, okay? All right. Well, hey, welcome to Theater Church. Amen? Wow. Wow. If only my mom and dad could see me right now. So, uh, I, I, said, I told 830 service this as well, but I'm like, I grew up in a Christian tradition where like coming to the theater was a sin, like it was on a list, you know, and, and now I'm preaching in a theater. Yes, praise God for his amazing humor and grace. So um, I still remember, like all week long, I've been having flashbacks to 1994, and um, the very first movie that I snuck into, which was Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> and I'd never been to a movie in my life, so... I, I just, uh, the only thought that I had the entire time, well, actually, I had two thoughts. One was, my dad's going to kill me if he ever knows that I'm in here. And two, this is the greatest moment of my life. So the fact that we're in a theater is just a praise to God's amazing provision and grace, right? Amen? I mean, it's just amazing that we're here, and I'm going to talk a little bit about, more about that later, but the fact that we're here is just an amazing gift of God's grace. So, we should say thank you to the Lord, and we also should put our hands together for um, all the setup guys and gals that were here early this morning. At, uh, I think we were at our new building at like 6.30 this morning, picking stuff up, moving stuff here. It's the first week. We don't really know how we're going to see all this stuff really progress. Um, so, Let's, uh, let's just give it up for all of our setup guys um, and all of our staff people. Yeah, they did great. So let's, let's pray. I'm, I'm super excited about this text of Scripture this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 25 is a true gift from God to our hearts. And especially if you know Jesus as your Savior, this text is incredible and uh, has a lot to say to you. And if you don't know Christ yet, hopefully this will be the morning that things start to click for you, and we're thankful that you're here. So let's pray and then dig into the Word. Father, thank you for the incredible, magnificent, powerful gift 
that is your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, he is why we are here. Jesus is the treasure of our hearts. He's the treasure of our minds. He's why we gather. And God, he is front and center in this passage this morning. I pray that you would, through your spirit, speak to every single person here. And God, use your word in such great ways that are way beyond human ability, God, and human power. Lord, would you change us supernaturally? And Lord, would you um, be pleased to do that through the weakness of the preacher and through the power of the scriptures? And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we approach um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, the phrase that, that has come to my mind is, let's do this, okay? Have you ever had anybody say, let's do this? All right, that, that's either the beginning of a really good story or a really bad story, right? Isn't that how that works in our lives? Like, let's do this. And I remember getting into some big trouble uh, when I said yes to the let's do this call. And, and there's also been times when let's do this has been a very, very good thing in my life. Just depending on what the motive is, let's do this is the phrase that, you know, you've kind of evaluated the situation and you're building your decision on a, a truth or a, a, a uh, kind of a proposition that you see is, okay, I can buy into that and therefore application is going to come into my life. I'll do these activities. And so I think that's what the author of Hebrews is really pushing us toward in Hebrews 10, is he is saying, let's do this. Now, how, how do I know that? Verse 19, all right, if you look at that verse, it says, let us, um, I'm sorry, verse, uh, yeah, yeah, verse, no, verse 22. He says, let us draw near to God. All right, and then in verse 23, he says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. And then in verse 24, he says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good deeds. So the author of Hebrews is saying, let's do this. Let's apply what we've been talking about throughout chapter 10, which is the blood, the sufficient death of Christ, and the resurrection of Christ. Let's apply that into our lives, okay? So it's, it's, uh, it's time to give a shout out to Iowa State football. Right? Okay, so Iowa State beat the Oklahoma Sooners last night. Jim Pollock, give him a hug wherever he's at. Jim, give him a hug. And so Iowa State, they beat Oklahoma for the first time at home since 1960. The last time Iowa State beat Oklahoma at home was three days before John F. Kennedy was elected as president of the United States. Okay, it's been a little while, right, since Iowa State won. So Matt Campbell, at some point, I'm guessing before the game, during the game, and after the game, he said, guys, let's do this. Okay, and, and, and what was the proposition that Matt Campbell was building on when he was telling his team, let's do this? Here's, I would guess he probably said a few things like this um, with much cleaner language. All right, I'm going to say it with much cleaner language. He probably said, guys, we're not the old Iowa State Cyclones anymore, right? We are the new Cyclones. We're the new brand of Iowa State football. We can do this. We're not uh, the lovable losers. We are the champions, right? He probably said something like this as well. Guys, we are wearing sweet black uniforms tonight. 
that make us look exactly like the Iowa Hawkeyes. Go Hawks. Amen. And he's probably saying, look, we can do this. Here's what you've done. You've put in the work. We have this opportunity. Let's do this. And you know what they did? They did it. They did it. Good props to them. It's a great game. But the author of Hebrews is saying something greater than a football coach could ever tell his team. The author of Hebrews is saying, church, Christ has died on the cross. His blood has been applied on the mercy seat of heaven. And he is now resurrected and sitting at the right hand of the throne of God on high. All of these things, if you put your faith in the blood of Jesus, you will be saved. Amen? That's a good news. And in the middle of that, let's do this. As a result of that truth, let's do this. And so this sermon is going to be very practical. And we need a practical sermon. Amen? We need one. We've been, we've been swimming in Jesus' blood the last three weeks, and it's been ethereal, and it's been really deep and theological, but now this sermon is very practical. It's very practical. And so we're going to lay out three activities. Like if you know Jesus as your Savior, we're going to lay out three activities that, that should be in your life if you have truly believed in Christ. Okay? And what are those three activities? Well, the three activities are praying, okay, persevering, and encouraging. That's, that's the, uh, those are the points. Okay? Praying, persevering, and encouraging. And so, here's the main idea of the text. The main idea of the text is, is verse 19. Since we have confidence to enter into the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he has opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. Because of that, since that is true, we are going to absolutely do this together. There are activities in your life that should be there as a Christian. So this morning, we get to evaluate where we're at. Can I just tell you up front, this is parts of this sermon is going to be a little painful for you. There's going to be painful evaluations that you're going to have to do in your heart, mind, and soul as you consider where you are at with Jesus. Now, praise God, because you're saved. Praise God, you're not where you used to be. Amen? Right? That's a good thing. If you know Christ, praise God, you're not where you used to be, but you're not where you should be yet. So we're right in that in-between time before we go to glory where we have to, by God's grace, dig into the gospel and make application. So let's look at the first activity that God brings into our lives, okay? The first one is praying. And you can see this in verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us draw near. So if you take notes, you can circle the word draw near um, with a true heart of full assurance. So let's just break down draw near and then full assurance. The word draw near there, it means to come close, to approach, or to get intimate with. Okay, so he's saying because of everything Christ has done on the cross and resurrection, we can come into God's presence, and instead of being incinerated by God's holiness, we can be near God as a intimate father. That's good news. We get to draw near to God. We have that opportunity to draw near to God with what? Full assurance. Now, if you're taking notes, full assurance means a most certain confidence. You can get close to God 
the creator of all things, into his presence with full confidence. When can you do that in this life? When do you get to do that? In prayer. Okay? In prayer. This is the great activity that Christ pulls out of believers. He calls believers to prayer. And not just prayer, confident prayer. Like you're coming to God and you are praying with confidence and passion because Christ has done the work for you. All praying Christians, give me an amen. Okay? All right. Now, look, I've been doing an unofficial survey of our church. All right? So I've been asking people about, hey, how, how often you, don't give me the pastor spin. I say that first. Don't give me the pastor spin. Just tell me how many minutes you pray per day. And I've been getting answers, and here's, here's the answers that I've been getting. They've led me to believe that we are not praying nearly as much as God would call us to in Christ. We wonder why our culture is going downhill. We wonder why our country is running away from God. It is often, and probably more, the, more so than I know and more than you know, that we are not taking advantage of the access we have to God's throne room to come boldly before God. Our nation needs prayer. Amen? We need prayer, and here's the reality. We can draw near to God with full confidence anytime we want because of what Christ has done. And many of us walk through days and weeks almost prayerless. That is a problem. Because if you have full access to the throne room and you can talk to God and you can draw near through the blood of Christ, we need an awakening in our country in awakening to prayer. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to exhort, okay? Hebrews 4.16 into your life. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 says that we are to go to God. We are to confess our sins. We are called to intercede. And I'm just going to lay this out. I love to pray. I, it's, it's a growing discipline in my life. I love to walk and pray. I, I, I've learned this over the years, and I just want to exhort Christians this morning. If Christ has paid the penalty for your sin at a great cost to himself, how can you and I, how, can, how dare we not pray more? Amen? And, and specifically, I want to talk to guys in this room. Guys, I'm challenging you. I'm exhorting you. You don't pray enough. Can I say that? You're not praying enough, guys. Your wife needs you to pray for her. Your kids need you to pray for them. And guys, there's too many individuals... In our, probably in our church and probably in our culture that are just saying, well, my wife prays and that covers me. No, it does not. Men, I'm challenging you to take the mantle of prayer and draw near to God with confidence. Our culture needs you. You want to do something constructive for our culture? Stop criticizing it and get near to God and start interceding. So specifically men, I'm challenging you. I'm calling you out. Because I don't believe it. I've been pastoring this church for 12 years. I don't believe our men are praying enough. And so guys, 
There you go. There's the challenge. Christ has given us access. What are you doing with it? Now, ladies, you're not off the hook. Amen? You're not off the hook. Ladies, you're more bent towards prayer. Before I came to Christ, my mom would intercede all the time at her table, often in tears, praying over her rebellious son named Josh. And she would pray for all, all of her sons, and she would begin to intercede. So, ladies, I believe you're more given to prayer because you have a connection to God's heart that's a little bit more um, non-business-like. Um, it's, just, it's just more connected. You're more connected. And, ladies, I, I want to encourage you to keep on keeping on. Keep approaching God. Don't give up. Don't give up on those things that you are thinking about giving up on. Don't give up on those people yet, ladies. Keep going. Be an example in your home. Be an example to your friends. Keep going. Keep interceding. We need the prayers of you. So praying is one of the first activities, right, that God calls us to in this text. As we understand the gospel, we begin to actively pray. Secondly, we persevere. So the second activity is persevering. Um, You can see this in verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. A believer in Jesus has a habit in their life. As they see the gospel more clearly, they have a habit in their life of holding fast to the hope of their confession. Okay, well, what does that mean? So let's, let's break down a couple of the words in verse 23. Um, first, hold fast. Let us hold fast. Um, the word hold fast means to be firm and unmoved and unflinching. Okay, unflinching. So that, that just means that you are steady and strong in your grip of your confession of your hope in Jesus. Uh, and another way to say it is that you've believed in Jesus, and now you're holding on tight to him. Amen? That's what that looks like. You're not flinching. And so um, many of us flinch. How many of you flinch in your, in your week? Like you, you flinch at certain times. Like I flinch at geese, you know, that get a little bit too close to me at Easter Lake. Can I get an amen? All right, I'm not afraid to say that. Happens, all right? Um, I flinch sometimes when people come up on me and they surprise me, or if I see somebody that's around the corner or or whatever. Like I just sometimes like, oh man, and it just takes me a moment, right, where I flinch, and then I feel really, really embarrassed, and I try to manly, you know, just covered up like a man, say I'm fine, I'm cool. But people saw me flinch. And so that happens. So, so the, the idea of holding fast is you're not flinching. You're not, hold, you're not blinking. You're holding on with a strong grip to what? To the confession of our hope. Okay? And if you look at the word hope there, all right, that word is a assurance. You're holding on to an assurance based on a solid foundation waiting with joyful expectation. So, if you are if you are hoping, hey, good morning. What's up? Is that PJ? What's up, man? How you doing? Cool. Hey, front row. I mean, hey, you, front row. You got to give it up for him. Let's let's give it up for PJ. Front row. That takes a lot of courage. Good job, man. So, if you are holding fast to our hope, all right. Hope is this: the confident expectation that God will bring good things to pass in the future for his glory. Okay, that's what hope is. Let me, let me say it again. 
It's the confident expectation that God will bring good things to pass in the future for his glory. Now, in 2021, you don't need me to talk to you about how hopeless our culture is, right? How many of you right now are just, you're, you're just seeing the future and you're like, it's dark and it's, it's scary and I don't know what's going to happen. But all I know is that as I think about the future, I, I think it's going to be a disaster zone, right? None of us have to be convinced of that. To find hope is to look forward to the future and to say, I'm confident that God is going to bring good things in the future and he's going to do it without hesitation, according to our faith in his promises. Now, in a secular worldview, they would call you an optimist. You know, glass half full. You're just an optimist. You're a glass half full kind of guy. You know, I'm a glass half empty guy. I'm a realist. You know, I'm, a, I'm all that. Okay, here's what it is. If you're a Christian, you have to be hopeful. Because you have to persevere in the belief that God has got the future in his hands. Amen? Now, you know, November 3rd is not going to change our lives no matter who gets elected because our salvation and our future doesn't rest on one man, one human man. Our future rests on the Son of Man. Amen? Our future rests on Christ. What are we doing with all the stuff that just pushes us away from biblical hope? Biblical hope is a sure foundation that as everything else falls apart, God is good and he's going to bring to fruition his promises for his people who keep faith. You've got to persevere. Read Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, the mountains fall into the depths of the sea. Though the waves rage with their foaming, though the earth shakes with its trembling, there is a river. I love that part of Psalm 46. Its streams delight the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is with her. She will not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. Hope is looking to the future and saying, God has it. Now, why persevere in hope? Because we don't like to persevere, right? It's our human nature to quit things. It's our human nature to get discouraged when one thing goes bad or two things go bad. Trials and tribulations come our way. We look at this whole idea of hope and we say, I can't persevere in that. That's hard. I don't want to do that. I've done that. I don't want to keep on holding grip-tight strength to Jesus because, honestly, he's let me down a few times. Honestly, he's made my life hard. Honestly, I'm going through hard things. But if you are understanding this application of persevering, we look at heaven and we say, Christ has got it. My hope is in it. God, give me the strength to keep going. Jeremiah 29, 11. Many of you have this verse in your house somewhere. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, right? Plans to prosper you. And not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. What's going on in Israel during, in Jeremiah 29? Terrible things. Like the worst things are going on in Jeremiah 29. And in the middle of the storm, Jeremiah declares God's faithfulness to give him a future. That's why we keep hoping as Christians. Our culture needs our prayers, but our culture also needs our hope. 
you and I have to be so gripped by Jesus Christ that we continue to persevere and keep on believing. Believing what? That God's got your business. God's got your job. He's got your family. He's got your neighborhood. He's going to do great things. He's going to renew his rule over all things. And he, how I'm praying, I'm praying for a third great awakening in this country spiritually. That's what I'm praying for. And I'm believing it by faith. And everybody else is saying that I, that I know of is saying, like, there's no hope for America. And I'm like, I believe that the third great awakening could happen at this juncture in our society. It could happen. Well, Josh, that's just foolhardy. It's not foolhardy. It is the promises of the living God. And if God doesn't bring the third great awakening, and let's say everything happens and the end of the world is in 2021, let's say that. What happens then to all your hope? What happens to all that? Well, if the end of the world happens, that means Jesus Christ is coming back. Amen? So a believer... You can't even be down about the end of the world because at the end of the world, 1 Thessalonians chapter 6 says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven. That's our great hope. Amen? God's got us. So activity number one is praying. Activity number two is persevering. And the final activity that we see in this text is encouraging. Um, Verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the last activity as we look at the reality of the crucified, resurrected Jesus is that we are on a command, we are on an activity command to encourage those around us. Our mission and our activity is to encourage those around us. Now, let's look at some, some words here in verse 24 and verse 25. Let us consider. Let's look at verse that, that word consider. The idea there is to fix one's eyes and mind upon. So it's, it's the idea of meditation. It's the idea of really thinking hard about something. So um, I was thinking hard about my sermon last night, kind of just, I was at the table, I was typing, thinking, typing, thinking, typing, thinking, totally entranced in my own world. And my daughter, Marie, she, she called me out, she's like, Dad, Dad. I'm like, yeah. She's like, dude, you look so weird right now. Thank you, daughter. Love you too. Right? But, but what she was saying was that my face was so like contorted because I was thinking through all the different aspects of the message and how it's going to fit together and what God wants me to say and how to say it and all these things. And what was I doing? I was considering. I was thinking. I was plotting. I was deeply thinking through the process. That's the call of God on your life and mine. To sit and think hard. About what? About how to stir up other believers to love and good works. You are called to sit around your table and think about how you can bless and encourage and stir up another Christian to love and good works. That's cool. When's the last time you've done that? When's the last time you've done that as a Christian where you've just sat and thought about, God, who do you want me to reach out to? Holy Spirit, who have you put on my heart? Holy Spirit, who are you calling me to stir up? The word stir up means to agitate 
or to uh, irritate or incite. So it's like a really violent word. It's this word like you're supposed to literally think, how can I irritate my, my, my fellow Christians? <laughs> how can I irritate them? Now, look, the church is really good at this with sin. Like, we're really good at irritating other believers because we don't like them or because we're struggling with something. But this text says you should think and strongly consider how you can stir up and irritate the body of Christ toward love and good works. Whoa. You talk about a transformed life. You want to start living different? Like, start doing that and see what happens in your life. Start seeing how the Holy Spirit starts showing up in people's lives and people's lives start transforming around you because you have made it a goal to stir people up to love and to good deeds. What's the other part? Not neglecting the habit of meeting together, as is the habit of some. Verse 25. Let's look at the word not neglecting. Not neglecting means to abandon, to desert, or to leave in dire straits. So the author of Hebrews is saying, we should, we should not abandon, we should not desert, we should not leave our brothers and sisters in Christ in dire straits. We shouldn't forsake them. Okay? Now, that's really big deal because we are supposed to not do that, as is the habit of some, but we are to encourage and Build each other up all the more as we see the day drawing near. So I'm just going to stop and just, and just say what this really means, right? Encouraging is a thoughtful, it is a specific, proactive presence that you have in somebody else's life. As a believer, you're going to not neglect them. Not only are you not going to leave them, but you're going to show up in their life, and you are going to physically be there in a real and present way for your brother and sister in Jesus. Well, what does this mean? It means the best and most essential way to do church is face-to-face. -face. Amen? Now, I love streaming. We're recording right now. No offense to anybody who is watching this online, okay? We like streaming. We praise God for streaming. We play, praise God for technology. We're glad that people can connect if they're traveling, if they're sick, if they've got a hardship. We are thankful for that. So people on screen, we're thankful for you. Thank you for tuning in. But here's what the Bible is saying. The Bible is saying that if you are going to see this happen in your life in a way that manifests God's glory and Jesus' glory, is it is best, when it is, all, when it is at all possible, it is best to get face-to-face -face with someone and encourage them directly. Amen? That's why these gatherings are so great. That's why it's so good to see you guys this morning. It's so good to see. I don't care if you got a mask on, mask off. I'm so thankful that you're here. And you know what? The big deal this morning for you as a Christian is not, did Josh's sermon measure up to Billy Graham or my favorite preacher? That's not the measure of this message. This message, it could be terrible. It could be mediocre. It doesn't matter because you know what? The, one of the greatest gifts of this morning is when you connect in the lobby. Amen? When you get popcorn together and you start hanging out and talking. Start popping your popcorn in your mouth. You hang out. You talk to that other person face to 
face-to-face. Because what happens when you do it face-to-face? You get instant feedback. The Holy Spirit can activate that in ways that he can't do it through a screen. If I preach a great message through a screen, I might get a post on the thread. I may get a message, but most of the time, I'm just shooting in the dark, and we are spraying the message out, and we're hoping that people are blessed. And we only know that if they tell us that. But somebody posting on a thread versus coming up and giving me a hug and saying, that was a great message. Two totally different things. And I'm not afraid to say that. That's why small groups are so big here at our church. It's why getting involved with people outside of Sundays is such a big deal. Because 98% of your spiritual growth is just showing up. Amen? Now some of you need to start showing up. Some of you need to like say, okay, I'm going to commit and I'm going to start showing up because I need to grow in Christ and I need to build up my brother and sister. That doesn't mean you got to do it at breakneck speed. doesn't mean that you got, you got to be like a pastor next week or a deacon or something like that. You just need to take the next right step for you where you're at. But take a step towards people in real time because that's where it happens. So how long are we supposed to encourage one another? I mean, how long is this day-by-day this, this day day encouragement happen? It happens all the more as you see the day drawing near. What's the day drawing near? Christ's return. The day is drawing near, church. Do you believe that? Like, do I need to convince you of that in 2020? The day is coming near. Amen? It's coming near. We're closer to Christ's return than we were yesterday. And Christ could come back today. And as we see the return of Jesus Christ nearing, we don't need to distance ourselves from Christians. We need to get closer to believers and say, keep running the race. Keep persevering in hope. Keep doing the prayer thing. Keep it going because Christ is coming back soon. How fast does this life go? Super fast. And we need to take it seriously. There will be a day when everybody in this room is buried six feet underneath the ground. And that day is coming faster than we know. We're not guaranteed tomorrow, church. We're not guaranteed today. This, being in this room right now, is the gift of God in your life. Don't waste it. Take advantage of it. Encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Jesus is coming soon. Stir up each other to love and good works. So is the gospel real to you? The gospel of Christ, is it real? Is the blood of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus real to you? If it is, the activity of praying, the activity of persevering, and the activity of encouraging will be actively growing in your life. May God make it so at Living Waters. Let's pray. Father, may you work through your spirit even now. God, as we get ready to sing and close, Spirit, we just ask you to rule and reign right now. God, you're so good to bring people here. So thankful for each person that is here to hear your word. God, we ask that you would come and just, Lord, for every Christian, would you just allow every believer to evaluate in their mind and in their heart where they are at 
in their prayer life, in their persevering, and in their encouraging. God, do a work in our hearts that way. And Lord, if there's anybody here that does not yet know Jesus, Lord, may, may you help them see that the day of Jesus is coming very near. And Lord, help them to be saved from the wrath to come. So God, do your work by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.